0: SHUT UP AND SIT DOWN! Hi stranger. It's been a while. I've missed you. It's okay. You can look at my butt. I feel like I can... What's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We are back for episode 45 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, here as always. And uh, sorry I had to start on that creepy little note, but that video, if you haven't seen it, is called Hello Stranger. Um you can Google it. It's just one of the most peculiar videos uh, that I've seen. It's quite old, but it popped up again um, some way, somehow a few days ago. And uh, I just had to, I had to start the episode with that because it's perfect. Um, and we haven't been as frequent as maybe we have been in previous weeks. Uh, but that's something I'm trying to change. And schedules should hopefully allow that coming up, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so for the past couple of weeks, have been doing pretty much one episode a week. And ideally, I'd like to get out two. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, we're coming back at you feeling good. And, you know, obviously, if we do keep it to one episode a week, there's a whole shit ton uh, more that accumulates that we want to talk about. And we want to get out to you guys and get an opinion on and get thoughts out and everything like that. So... It's good to be back and I had to just start with a weird fucking video because it's been a weird old crazy week in this weird old crazy world and... I'm going to apologize upfront if there's some background noise. I live in a usually very quiet street in a quiet little neighborhood, but they have decided to rip down a building and put up a massive, disgusting block of flats down at the end of my road, which is going to do, uh, well, certainly a couple of things to the area. Bring more people of uh, varying degrees of etiquette and social consciousness. For sure. Um, but it's also going to, for the next few months, make a shit ton of noise and uh, and kick up a shit ton of dust. So that's great. Um, on the plus side, I might buy myself another property. So good news, bad news, swings and roundabouts, all that good stuff, but... Uh, We had to come back and uh, just give you a bit of housekeeping up front. Um, What we've been up to, what's going on with the show, um, and and anything else that we can kind of get out of the way. And then we got plenty, plenty to get into. So um, you know where to find us, guys, first and foremost. We're on SoundCloud. That's where we host and distribute from. But we're also on iTunes for your convenience. And if you're a user of TuneIn, then you can also get us there. Uh, waiting and have to do some chasing on a couple of other distribution platforms, uh, Stitcher, Deezer, etc. Um, Spotify still a no go, unfortunately. But I'm kind of thinking with the news around, you know, subscription services and things like that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold out and and. Be reliant and hostage to these massive platforms. Uh, and we're going to get into some of that stuff later, but uh, that's where you can find us. We also have our Facebook page, our Twitter page. Uh, for any first time listeners, check us out there, give us a follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Everything helps when you comment, when you thumbs up an episode, or whatever it may be, throw a little heart, snap on there, whatever. You know, all that stuff helps, and we're trying to grow this thing, which we are. Um, Every episode and just you know keep bringing you guys truth and keep bringing you guys uh, our point of view on things um, so for those that have been with us from the start we love you thank you very much um, for any new listeners welcome uh, you'll you'll settle in shortly I'm sure um, what else from a housekeeping perspective oh yeah it's been uh, it's been hotter than the Sun Uh, in London Uh, England got eliminated from the World Cup but did better than they have done in decades so that was a good result and had the country buzzing Um, France won overall um, so I don't really give a shit about that and I don't really give a shit about the World Cup to be honest Uh, but like I said on the last show it was a really great vibe uh, around the country and you know the weather held up and gave us a summer uh, and still is because it's hot as balls right now um, but As I look out my window, uh, speaking to you guys, the dark clouds are rolling in. And I have to say, as someone who may complain about, you know, the rain in England or whatever, it's actually pretty fucking dry in London, and I am welcoming. Like, if if these rain clouds that I'm looking at just stop above my house and shit down for six hours, I'm good. I'm good. My plants might... And my garden might suffer temporarily, but I wouldn't imagine it'd be too, too bad. But I just want it to shit down because ultimately it's going to cool everything, um, bring a bit of respite to what has been a scorcher of, uh, of a fortnight. And I'm not complaining, not complaining one bit. However, I got a couple of dogs, as you guys probably know. And one of them is particularly small, Sammy, who's the, uh, who's the young boy uh he's he's come down pretty ill uh and we don't know the reason for it and i can i'm I'm thinking i'm contributing some of it to the heat because you know process of elimination what he eats you know how he's taken care of etc who he interacts with other animals etc these things are all consistent my other dog's absolutely fine um but this is his first summer or second summer but he's never experienced anything like this. So I think he's maybe getting a little hit, heat stroke or something like that. But, you know, we keep him in. Um, but he's been sick the past couple of days. And, uh, and it's nice that I can work from home and have the flexibility uh, to be able to do that from time to time. Uh, because it allows me to, you know, come and take care of him. Because, you know, he's, he's literally like, he's about three pounds uh, and he can fit in the pocket of a house robe, so if that gives you you know any perspective, you know he can he can comfortably lie on the top of my head uh, with just his ass hanging off. He's a tiny little fella. so I've been mending him, and uh, and my wife's been taking care of him and, and all that stuff. So a lot of housekeeping and all that shit, um, you know, out of the way. Um, you know, work is very busy uh, on a number of different fronts, uh, but yeah, everything is good. Everything is good, and like I said, the numbers are growing. So you guys are out there listening and we appreciate you for it um but that's enough waffling right for sure like shut the fuck up daryl and and get on with the goddamn program um we got a ton of talked about right like i said before there's a ton to talk about um and i'm just wondering where to start at the moment because i did write a couple of notes and and by notes I, i mean hot wings equals toxic masculinity like things like that or uh like Instagram, ask me is masturbation kind of thing. So we're going to get into some of this shit right now. Um, but I was just talking about being held hostage to big companies in terms of you know those that, those that have a big subscriber base, charge a membership fee or a subscription fee, um, and how content producers are sometimes feel held hostage in terms of using all of these channels to get as much exposure as possible and i mean you know we use twitter we use facebook um i have an instagram for that i generally use for like fitness content things like that or just basically me fucking working out um to keep myself from turning back into a fat prick uh we distribute some content in terms of like podcast notifications out of there and links on my profile and instagram and things like that but generally it's just facebook and twitter and then obviously we have our actual distribution points of itunes and and soundcloud as i mentioned before but like we put a um we put a request into spotify some time ago and they were like oh uh, we're not we're not taking or publishing any new uh, podcast We're not taking any submissions for new podcasts or anything like that. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just because it's a new service and they want to do it as a trickle along effect or something like that. But I've contacted them numerous times since then, just to as a general touch base, kind of update. You know, are you accepting now? Um, and there's barely even been a response. And I'm just like, like, why should I? Why should I care? Because there's you know a few hundred million people on it. Sure. But I use Spotify every single fucking day, and I don't look for podcasts on Spotify. I don't, because there's a podcast app on iOS It's perfect. So I don't use Spotify for that. Spotify's my jukebox. So I wonder, actually, what the traction is, and I don't have any market intelligence on this. I'm just speculating, and maybe some of that is born out of uh, a little bit of frustration with Spotify, thinking that they're, you know, too big for their britches or something. It's like... You know, I see podcasts launching on the platform. You think I'm a fucking idiot? But I don't look for podcasts. Like, I don't listen. That's not my podcast uh, mechanism of choice. Um, so it's just a bit like, do I care? Like, iTunes is an absolute must, right? The uh, You have to be there. Um... But I wonder, like you know, tune in. I haven't checked the stats in a, in, in, in quite some time, but I will do. Uh, and I just wonder. So, even with Facebook, is there is there is there better delivery systems? Maybe is there more far-reaching delivery systems? Probably not. Uh, but it's a balance. It's like how much do they give? Them? Because I've been I've been kind of juggling with this thought of getting off Facebook. Full stop. Just getting rid of it. It's a cesspool of a platform. I've talked about it on the show before. It does no good. I don't, I don't care what any say, anybody says. The, the net is negative. It's not a net positive platform. There's more shit and manipulation and experiments happening and blah, blah, blah on that platform constantly to drive ad revenue that has actually nothing to do with the user experience It's a joke of a platform. It's barely functional. Yeah, you can use it as a photo album, or you can get on Messenger. You know, so they can you know siphon all of this data, the facial recognition technology they have for your photos. You know, siphoning up all of your text messages, whether they say it's encrypted or not. They're definitely getting it. Um, You know, the way that they just quote unquote leak data. You know, and this is a non-based subscription mechanism, right? This is an ad-driven. Um, revenue model so they have to have constant growth they have to have more data uh, because the product is stagnant if they don't so I think just as a prediction I think that at some point in time in the near to medium term future we're going to hear about Facebook developers creating apps for Facebook that, don't, that look like third-party apps where they siphon and pass on your data themselves. So it's not even going to be, oh, these users are creating apps that are then siphoning off data. I think you're going to find, it'd be really hilarious if this has already been found, but fuck, man, I hope I would have heard about it, um, that Facebook have made apps and designed them to look like third-party apps, function like third-party apps, but then are then they are then siphoning that data back to themselves using it for ad targeting selling it on to i don't know other governments for local uh, state and national elections um i mean facebook is garbage it's toxic at the heart of it it's toxic um but like i said that's an ad revenue stream and you see how dirty that model gets the subscription model is the other way around right and in some ways, I think subscription models are really, really good. In other ways, I think they're a bit like, okay, they're all right, like, but are they really value for money or anything like that? Um, and there was a really, piece of, uh, really cool piece of information that came out today uh, in regards to the adoption of streaming services that are subscription-based versus like normal TV. So what I'm talking about here is like Netflix, Uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu, uh, YouTube Red, uh, you know, any uh, any of these ones. Uh, What is it, like Now TV or, uh, I mean, there's any number of them. UFC Fight Pass, the WWE app, like, you know, ESPN or, uh, you know, any of these things, right? Streaming TV. Well, the streaming TV subscribers is now bigger in the uk than the traditional uh digital tv subscribers is so what that means is companies like netflix have more subscribers to them than sky do because younger people don't watch linear television they don't watch linear television at all they watch YouTube, they watch things on streaming sites, they're online, they're not recording, they're not DVRing anything, they don't give a fuck about any of these programs that are on TV. And just to nail that home, the average they they said it actually said it on BBC, the average age of a BBC watcher is sixty years old. 60 years old is the average age of a BBC viewer. You're a dinosaur. This is what I've talked about before in terms of TV license fees. It's the only semblance they have to hold on to any sort of revenue. I don't know what their numbers look like, by the way. I'm sure they're doing very well because they have so many entities um, around and they have such a market share (coughs) on, uh, on viewership, but... That doesn't mean that they're so let me say that again. So bbc.co.uk gets something stupid like 75% of all internet traffic in the UK, or 75% of all internet users visit that site in the UK. Right? But 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 people who are watching TV, the BBC on television, they're 60 plus. So we know where the demographic is going. More people are watching iPlayer than they are BBC One or whatever. Um, But it goes towards a larger point of how they're monetizing it. And I know we started out about how this is hamstringing, you know, should you be held hostage to these subscriber services and things like that. No, I don't think you should be at all. But I also don't think that you should have all of your data siphoned and prostituted out willy-nilly without any semblance of recourse uh, back towards these companies if you disagree or have a problem with how they use your data. Who are these 80 million people that Facebook's data is gone, that Facebook leaked out? or sold, or got rid of, or somehow lost, or whatever you fucking want to throw at it as an excuse. Who are they? Is there a list? They have to have a list. Or how do they know what the number is? So that's gross, right? That's disgusting. Facebook's horrible. And I don't think you should get hamstrung into these subscription services either. But that's the great thing about subscription services. If there's no value in it, you stop paying your subscription. Because the market doesn't even allow for like annual term subscriptions. It's a it's an eat and come and play as you want. But the streaming services and it really contrasts the market actually right because streaming services in the UK have out uh, have taken over from the amount of people that watch uh, linear TV or subscribe to cable services and things like that. Okay, but then Netflix shares are plummeting. Plummeting might be a bit of a harsh word, but they're going down, right? Because of saturation point. So it's weird. So even if subscription services want to see continual growth, what does that mean? That they have to put advertising in it in some way, shape, or form. Now that may come in the form of product placement or you know, uh, bookended commercial spots before the show and after the show, you know, those kind of things. Maybe there's a revenue stream there. Um, Amazon Prime have already started putting Prime commercials, like previews almost, um, before some of the shows. So it just, I, I it's just a question. Uh, there's no solution here. There's no, you know, there's no grandiose kind of ideas or epiphanies here. I'm just wondering, because this news has come out The streaming services are bigger than... Uh, Cable news subscription services or traditional television subscription services, but then Netflix share prices are going down because they're, they're seen to be not earning as much, not having the subscription growth. So then what do they do to get those share prices back up? Because if the share prices don't come back up and keep going the way they're going, what happens to Netflix? What happens to these subscriber services? How how stable? How stable are things? How stable are subscription services? How stable are businesses? How stable is how stable is the economy? Or are we looking at the fact that we have now had a nine-year swing uplift of economic growth, success, etc.? And this is the longest period of time between a recession in I think recorded history right so that just goes into more of Trump's lies but we'll get to that fat fuck later um it's just a question like I said I'm not looking for any epiphany uh kind of light bulb moment here or anything like that it's just a curious question as to what so am I gonna have to <clears throat> am I have to going to eventually? Am I going to have to pay a subscription for my services, plus take advertising, plus be uh, be a victim of, of having my data just you know shared with whoever the fuck because they have to sell it and they have to have multiple revenue streams and they're not sustainable because they're making fucking Game of Thrones type of uh, content. This just takes so much money. What's the end goal here? What's what's actually what's actually the thing? Are we gonna have five services? People just decide, oh, we're, gonna, we're just going to subscribe to five services and everything else gets consolidated. But then we're a victim to the market and then we're a victim to the companies and then we're a victim to whatever prices they want to put on us because then it's fuck or walk. So for me, it's just an interesting thing to think about because this news came out and then yesterday or the day before, the news about Netflix share prices going down because of uh, slowed user, user growth. So it just makes me wonder: Are they going to have to make up that money somewhere, somehow, uh, in terms of you know continuing their ascension and their profitability? It doesn't matter for Amazon; they got multiple strings on that boat, right? They can fail in a hundred different ways, and they're still good. But Netflix is a one-trick pony. So what are you going to end up getting from some of these subscription services? New services, same thing. You know, it just again, just an interesting. Uh, just a thought that popped into my head that I thought was interesting, um, and I just wanted to I wanted to verbalize it a little bit and just uh, see what you guys think on that. The I guess I guess the last thing that I will say on that is I can foresee this being uh, being the being the end of the BBC effectively. Their demographics too old, their content's not good enough to warrant subscribers, so they'll have to change their ad policy, and I think. Once their main viewership uh, dies out effectively, um, people won't watch them anymore. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think it's the institution everybody once held it as. Um, but that's it. That, uh, I'll leave it there. Uh, but I just, like I said, just thought it was interesting. Um interesting yet disgusting on the other side of the pond. Um, you'll recall that there was a mass shooting, one of many, but a particularly horrible one uh, last year, which uh, which this guy killed 50-odd people, hu- injured hundreds more at the Vegas uh, casino when those people were at that concert across the road. Well, the hotel and the group that owns the hotel have decided to sue the victims. They want to sue the victims, not for money, not for money, they want to sue them to protect them against the victims suing the hotel. I'm just going to leave that there and just, you can have it, do what you want with that. Um, I have my viewpoint on it. I think it's horrendous. Um, I've heard counter arguments, you know, protection arguments and things like that. But it just seems gross to me. It just seems gross to me. Um, it's a proactive measure I don't think needs to be taken. But I guess in this day and age, you just don't know and to me that's ultimately the gross part is the fact that we don't know that the victims who were shot won't sue the hotel but in that in that respect i kind of i kind of juggle with it a little bit because this guy carted an arsenal of weapons into that hotel over the course of a few days and just unleashed hell on these unsuspecting victims so Is there some culpability on the hotel's part? Maybe there is. And as I explain it out and as I talk it out, maybe I have a slightly amended viewpoint on it. Maybe maybe the hotel group knows that this is likely or knows that they should have done more and would be subject to liability and would be subjected to paying damages to the victims. So maybe you know it's still gross but it's again from the protectionist perspective i kind of i i can kind of understand from a corporate perspective where they're coming from but jesus christ man it's still gross it's still gross and i could see you know i could see why the victims might sue them man for sure uh so i can see it from both sides we'll see how it unfold but for me it's just it's just a bit gross um that they would sue that they would sue the victims to stop them from suing them i, I mean i don't know what the outcome will be but we'll you know we'll see um just a crazy old world right like i, I so i saw this article i don't know if any of you guys have heard of the show hot wings on youtube but it's effectively just a, some guy sitting at a table in a in a room that's been, you know, that's got like a black background on it, and it's just a it's a bar table, it's a high standing table for two, let's call it, and there's a couple of like bar stool type chairs, and the host just interviews a celebrity, but the shtick or the the point of the show is that the celebrity has to eat chicken wings that increase in spiciness based on the type of sauce that they have on them throughout the question so there's like 10 wings or something or eight wings and then you know each of those wings gets progressively hotter and the celebrity has to eat the wing then is asked a question and has to respond whilst trying to deal with the spiciness of that uh particular wing And then the kind of rule of it is, if you make it to the end, then you get like a promo spot for whatever you're on there to promote, whether it's a movie or a product or a book or whatever, right? So this professor at Tulsa University in America, this professor of women's studies, has published a paper that accuses hot wings of toxic masculinity, because in the history of the show, there have been eleven women guests. So, <clears throat> this professor effectively cites the way Sean, who that's the host's name, looks as a traditional man's man type of uh, appearance as a form of the to- toxic masculinity but the main crux of of her argument is that women women are not seen as because of the gender stereotypes and the gender boundaries we put on women we are not seen the women are not seen as the type that should eat messy spicy wings because they can't open it's not it's not cool for them to openly talk about what it does to their digestive tracts and eat messy wings because we have a dainty perception of women and and all of this actually let me see if i can let me see if i can find it i gotta take it uh from her because she's an intellectual so the way she articulates it is obviously much more succinct than what i just gave you Um, let me see oh yeah so from her uh, she quotes it as it creates maintains and manipulates inequitable gender hierarchies through the interrelated performances of gender, food consumption and celebrity so what she what she's basically saying is society just doesn't accept the idea of women eating spicy foods and that is the that's the reason that only 11 women have appeared as contestants on the show so far, right? She, she argues in her paper women know that they really don't stand a chance on the show. Because gender binaries create power hierarchies by feminizing dainty, light, and sweet flavors and foods eaten in small portions with restraint. This is what she's saying. This is what a professor a professor of feminist media studies has claimed about a YouTube show that includes people eating chicken wings. And she's saying that society doesn't allow women to eat anything other than dainty light sweet foods and flavors in very small portions and anything outside of that is not looked at as what we can what we can see femininity in its standard format to be like I mean if, if I was Mr. Rogers, the word of the day would be absurd. This is just absurd. I mean, talk about fishing for an argument. Talk about fishing for headlines and controversy. I mean, let me ask you this. Go ask one guy if he would not date a girl because she ate chicken wings. If you find a guy that says, "Yeah, that's my red line. I don't date girls that eat chicken wings. I, they get their hands all messy. They get it all over their face. They burp. They use all kinds of napkins. They won't tell me. They won't stop telling me about how you know too much spice makes them shit." Like, if you find a dude that has that mentality, smash his head into a fucking wall because he's not a man. He's a fucking idiot, and he deserves to have his head smashed into a wall, quite frankly. You're not going to find one. You're not going to find one. Because it doesn't matter. This woman's paper is complete garbage. There's nothing that substantiates any claims in her paper whatsoever. And her claim that you know, women can't talk about this or women like she even undercuts women's potential in her own article by saying women no, they really don't stand a chance, but then claws it back by saying because that's the constraints that society's put on them. Are you fucking kidding me? Go to a Canadian fucking barbecue. Go to uh, go to any American sports bar. Fucking what are you talking about? I don't know anybody that doesn't like chicken wings. Male, female, whatever. So for this so-called professor, this so-called educated intellectual, and I'm throwing the quotation marks around here, stick your paper up your fucking ass. And anybody that agrees with the paper, you can take it and shove it up your fucking ass too. Because what you're talking about is nonsense. What you're talking about is completely unfounded, born out of nothing but hatred, your own point of view, which is misguided and incorrect anyways. But to, I mean, Hot Ones is a pretty big show and they're part of a wider group, so they do fine. But to say that they set this up as a, like a man's only uh, game show to promote male celebrities or something like that, and that they only have token women on from time to time, only because they know they won't be able to get through it and it'll be a good laugh because we know women don't really stand a chance and they know they really don't stand a chance anyways because it's not what we look at and not what we look for in a woman. We want her eating dainty little, like, fucking high tea portion size cakes or something. Like, what are you talking about? The fuck is this woman talking about? I mean, I haven't looked her up yet, but I can imagine what she looks like, you know, there's always a type Always a fucking type And When I saw this paper I just I, I had to mention it Because This is a very Very small minority Of people that think this way Okay And if you scratch the surface Just a little bit You'll, underco- you'll uncover Some of the fundamental issues As, as to why People feel this way And it goes towards a wider conversation about how we look after ourselves both emotionally, you know, physically, what we eat, how we exercise, being an active, wholesome lifestyle, you know, all of that, having fun, you know. But ultimately, this paper is not about a fucking show on YouTube This is about attention. This is about creating an argument. This is about virtue signaling. This is about trying to fit in because one doesn't fit in. This is group mentality thinking. This woman wants to be associated with something she thinks can potentially gain traction and an easy fan base to win. That's it. I'll ask you again. Do you know any women that don't eat chicken wings? Maybe. Do you know any guy that would not date a female because she ate chicken wings? Do you think hot wings or hot ones, whatever the fucking show's called? Do you think that that was made so they could make fun of women because they knew in a calculated way that women would not be able to eat spicy food because they just they're not expected of it so they don't do it. so then of course they don't stand a chance. What the fuck are we talking about? Where do the levels of, of absurdity stop? Ah, uh, hey, baby, I would love to get some chicken wings with you. Uh, but the last time I ate them, we got them a little too, bit too spicy and I had diarrhea for a week. Any guy in the world that heard that from a girl would still fuck her within 30 seconds of hearing that. Sorry it's true so this professor Contro or whatever fuck her name is from Toulouse University uh, Tulsa University fucking stick it up your ass and anybody that thinks like this person thinks stick it up your ass too you're not my type of people you're not invited to the party and you can fuck off because you're in a very I've mentioned this before this is a Jordan Peterson term unless it's somebody else's term but this is a Jordan Peterson term until I'm corrected otherwise, it's low resolution thinking. It's low resolution thinking. Appearing to be high resolution thinking, but it's just faking it because there's no substance behind the argument. There's no reality behind the claims. Hot wings has only had 11 females on there because we don't, we don't think women can handle it. We wanna keep them out the fuck are you talking about? I saw the one with Rachel Ray not too long ago. Like, I've seen dudes cry on that show. What the fuck are you talking about? Or is that emasculating to men? You want to go that side of the coin as well? I mean, this is fucking nonsense, but you have to be aware of these small fire attacks that try to bring down things just because it will benefit the other person. And their group identity that they need to cling on to. This woman's got a history of these papers. She's got a history of these papers. I wonder if they're listed here. Uh, No, not this one. Maybe in the other article. Um, Bear with me just for a second. Because I think the titles of these other ones are hilarious. Bear with me. I'm going to pull it up. I think I've got it. Toxic hot wings. I think it might be this one Pardon me. Yeah, so I just want to tell you that this woman obviously has a history of, of Writing papers like this so bear with me just for a second. I'll give it give it to you right now Okay, so she used to teach at Brown University on gender elements in areas ranging from macho movies to dieting this includes toned tummies and bloated bellies, activate yogurt, and gendered digestion, cuisine, cuisine uh, the Journal of Canadian Food Cultures 5, number one, uh, and the dutification of dieting, marketing weight loss programs to men in the 21st century. Association for the Study of Food and Society Conference Michigan State University 2013 Her prior course works included A class on Global Macho, Race, Gender, and Action Movies, Department of American Studies, Brown University When she was a teaching assistant In 2014 I mean She's clearly picked her lane She's clearly trying to advance the cause In that lane But it just doesn't stack up for me It doesn't stack up one bit for me. You can see right through this bullshit. And this is the great thing about consuming both sides of media, right? Like, typically, I'd probably be liberal in terms of most of my viewpoints, right? In terms of, um, like, gay marriage and... You know, legalization of cannabis, and you know, um, subsidized education or free education, uh, universal basic income, things like this. I'm very liberal on. I think these things should be implemented, explored, like free medication, free healthcare. Those are all kind of social, socialist type of uh, leanings. I'm definitely that way uh, inclined, uh, more liberally, but I'm also conservative in a number of different ways as well. And when you hold multiple viewpoints on you know if you're if you're left on some things and right on some things, which most people are, unless you're a complete ignoramus, most people have varying degrees of liberalism and conservatism in their viewpoints on depending on what subject you're talking about, right? <coughs> Pardon me. so, as I view things from different spectrums, depending on how they affect my life, I try to do the same thing in the information that I consume because it only helps me further an argument or further a discussion or further a debate or think more critically on an issue if I understand what's happening from the left and the right or from the top and from the bottom. From the, It doesn't matter. Just you have to take the opposition point of view as well. You have to digest it and consider it. You have to consider everybody's ideas or not, I don't mean, right, so you just have to look at what both sides are saying. Don't take anybody's viewpoint and make it your own because that's the opposite of critical thinking. But definitely listen to what both sides are saying to form your own opinion. Because when you look objectively at what people are telling you, where the information originates from, the source of the information. Once you look at these things objectively, what you can start to notice is the bullshit, things that don't check out, things that don't add up. And you can be more critical in your thinking and in your, in your analysis of what your viewpoint should be. And so I read almost as much media on the opposite point of view of the opinion I hold as I do on things that I know will fall in line with my general habit of thinking, which is more of a liberal leaning thing, right? You have to do that. You have to be critical in the way you think. You have to be critical in the way you consume information and you have to ask questions and you have to challenge. And just because a person is a fucking professor at a university does not mean what she or he or they are telling you is correct. And obviously, I haven't been in school for some time. But for all accounts, it is taking away the ability of having free and open and critical thinking and critical dialogue. It is taking that away in favor of a blame culture, of an oppression culture, of a victim culture... And that to me is something that is exactly on par with what this woman is writing about. She is trying to turn women into victims and causing a show on YouTube to be the brunt of the blame of that. Like these guys were sitting around in a room saying, how can we alienate women now? Right. Anybody got any fucking ideas? How can we keep women out of our face? Maybe we'll sprinkle some of them in every now and again to kind of make the appearance of it, you know, not being a dude show, we can't have the man show anymore, God forbid. But let's sprinkle some women in. But how can we, when we sprinkle them in, make them look as fucking dumb as possible? Anybody gonna show any Yeah, let's make them eat spicy wings because we know bitches only like having dainty, small portion food and very sweet flavors. Nothing too harsh for a lady. We know that. That's the boundaries and the fence we put on a woman. So don't deviate from that unless you want to make them look stupid. And that's why we want them here, right, boys? So let's do this. Right? That's kind of what we're talking about here. Are you out of your fucking mind if you think like that? Jesus, people are fucking dumb. And at the highest level where they're supposed to be educating our young minds, you're getting this kind of shit. But then again, if you are a professor of feminist media studies, I kind of know the people who are going to apply for that course anyways. So... You know, Then we go into exactly what I was just talking about and rather than being critical in your thinking, broad in your search and your media consumption, people much prefer to reside in an echo chamber. And when you have a course like Feminist Media Studies, you're not going to get a lot of jocks in that. You're not going to get a lot of guys from the football or basketball team rocking up on those, right? You might get one Terry Crews type of motherfucker that goes into those shows or into those uh, courses, but that's gonna be it, right? Again, it's echo chamber thinking based on an ideology that the group can easily attach themselves to. And in this case, it's victim culture. Blame culture, victim culture. Oppressed versus oppressor. And we've talked about this shit before. So I just wanted to put this crazy bitch on your radar because we have intellectuals, and again I'm, I'm, I'm dislocating my wrists, giving you the quotation marks on the intellectuals, teaching young minds that this is a way to think. That a show about eating chicken wings that only has 11 women on it in the course of its lifespan so far is purposefully alienating and singling out women. Get the fuck out of here. And whilst we're on the subject of you can get the fuck out of here with that bullshit, Instagram, the ask me function, the ask me a question function that you've uh, so conveniently put in, Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, I knew Instagram was full of narcissists. I could be accused of being one to a degree myself, but easily explained away if you do uh, choose to inquire why I only post or 90% of the content that I post is me at the gym working out. We can have that conversation. In fact, I'm going to touch on it at the end of the show. But, um, but this new feature that they've added in is just horrible. Fucking ask me anything or ask me a question is what it's called. And it's like a sticker in your story that... You know, you type in a question and it's yes or no, or what do you think, or this and that. And I mean, Jesus Christ. The people choose, obviously, which question they want to publish, which is obviously going to be most favorable to them. And it's going to give them an answer that can, you know, show them show show themselves in the most positive light possible, how wise I am, how motivated I am, how special I am, how grateful I am. Fuck off. It's for me, it's the equivalent of standing in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, jerking off and cheering yourself on while you're doing it. It is complete masturbation. It is the most narcissistic garbage and it just it makes it look cheap it makes it look really cheap and of course the moment it was the moment it was launched everybody on Instagram just started using it yeah it's just (laughs) I don't know I don't know what the fuck ever right do you why do I care um But if you use that and if you're in my timeline and you're, you were something and now you're something else, I'm just going to fucking delete you. That's all. Um, So anyways, I just want to point it out because it's a really fucking stupid feature. um, And again, just shows the narcissism of people out there. Like, yeah, anyways, anyways, more important pressing things to talk to talk about. We are now coming down off of of what has been, I mean, perhaps the most detrimental week to a president that I can recall, in my adult life anyways, for sure, since I've paid attention to politics, I've not seen anything like what I've seen over the past week. I mean, you can extend it a little bit and go the past uh, past few weeks if you want to. But Trump's latest visit overseas. It's just... I mean, it's one of the most disgraceful things. I don't know if disgraceful is the right word because he's just disgracing himself and his country. It's not like... I think it's disgraceful behavior. Um, I mean, we start when he comes over for the NATO summit, right? He's sitting down for a a casual introductory breakfast with... uh, the Finnish, was it the Finnish or whoever it was, uh, president there, um, and right away starts attacking Germany, saying that they're basically a slave controlled by Russia because they get a ton of their energy through this pipeline that goes from Russia, and they're a NATO ally, so they need to be buying from America, and, you know, just straight away, fucking straight away, he goes into it. And it just rolls on from there, right? Rolls on from there. Nobody's paying their fair share. He lies about how much America's paying towards it. He says that they're paying like 70 to 80% or 90% of the NATO bill. Not true. Completely untrue. Um, Then he goes to the UK to visit with Theresa May to talk about their trade partnership potential and the state of play of Brexit. Gives an interview with The Sun. In which he says, the wrong outcome on Brexit could re- could completely take a trade relationship with America off the table. Right, like hard Brexit or nothing, basically. He also says that he thinks you know Boris Johnson would be a fantastic prime minister. You know, he says a bunch of nice stuff you know about Theresa May or you know whatever, courtesies and compliments that are full of hot air. And then they do a joint press conference in which a reporter asks, is this how you talk about a friend claiming that, you know, Britain's a friend, the UK's a friend, Theresa May's a friend, yet you want to say that it's fucking all or nothing on a trade deal, right? So she calls him out on what he said. He's like, I didn't say that. He's like, I wasn't rude about it. He's like, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, I, he's like, this is what you get, you know, with these reporters. He's like, I think it's an okay newspaper, but you know, they're clearly not reporting on everything I said. The guy that interviewed him was in the fucking audience. He's like, yeah, we did. He's like, we put everything in there, the good stuff and the bad stuff. But you said the fucking bad stuff too, so he got caught out in public, fucking lying, right? Looked like a complete jerk off. So he's alienated all of his NATO allies. He's doubled down on bullshitting around with the UK which makes Brexit an even more tenuous situation because if you can't rely on what should be your closest ally and you're leaving a single market with most of your other allies, what kind of confidence will that give in markets in terms of what your economy is going to do, what your currency is going to do? So you can't be relied upon as a trade partner. And it comes out and lies about what he said that's in print, albeit the sun, you know, uh, not the most reliable rag, but when the guy called him out on it, he got all, like, flummoxed, and, like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, they said good stuff, too. Some of the stuff, one of the things I said was good, like, tries to joke it off, and (coughs) just looks like a complete fucking douchebag. So he's come off the worst few days... You know, in the last month or so, right before he had to reverse his own policy on separating children from their families. And then he goes to Helsinki to meet with Putin. And this is the clusterfuck to to end all clusterfucks. But you watch, he'll come out of it like uh, Teflon Don. So he meets with Putin. And there's certain subjects that, you know, his government, his administration, his public, you know, his foreign allies and things that are are being expected to be talked about, brought up. One being the illegal annexation of Crimea, which since World War II is the first... Takeover of a territory by arms that we've had globally. Completely fucking illegal. Right? Doesn't mention a word of it. Okay. What about the uh, investigation into how Russia has now effectively been proven to have? been involved in manipulating the outcome of a federal election on a sovereign country, being America. And we know that now because, was it 13 I think now, Russian officials, these are Russian spies by the way, have been indicted with obstruction in a democracy basically, obstructing our elections, our democratic elections. They've been indicted, detailed, names, who they work for, the arm of their affiliation with Russia, everything. So we know that they were involved because now you've got the paper trail back, thorough paper trail back. Trump comes out in the press conference, says, this is the worst relationship we've ever had with Russia and I blame America. This witch hunt, fucking uh, investigation of collusion, of collusion, of collusion. So he doubles down on it, and he doubles down on shitting on his own people. He blamed U.S. intelligence and Putin. Right? He says basically, I think both sides are to blame. When a reporter asked him directly, it was a, it was an opportunity that was laid out on a silver platter for him all cut up and it was going to be spoon fed to him he could have gotten the answer right he could have showed some balls he could have shown that he wasn't colluding with Russia by saying something to the effect of I have every confidence in my intelligence service and based on the recent developments I have discussed the severity of this with President Putin, and I have told him that this is not to occur in the future. And if it does, there will be sanctions to the uh, to the extent of X, Y, and Z. Something, but he blames both sides. He blames both sides. He doesn't hold. Putin accountable at all. And if you haven't watched that press conference, I would say turn it on. It's 47 minutes long and it is one of the most cringeworthy things that I've ever seen. I mean, you know, Putin's smirking and smiling through the whole fucking press conference. He's not saying that he didn't interfere. He never said that. Um, I mean, there was a ton to take out of that press conference that ...should not reassure anybody that this is over, that we're at the bottom of this investigation, and that we know everything that we know now. I mean, they wouldn't let anybody into their private meeting, and this is the stuff he said in public. Imagine the shit that he said behind closed doors saying that this probe into Russia meddling in their elections is a disaster and this matters right because I I fucking posted on this on social media uh yesterday or the day before <coughs> and it was basically him saying uh you know I don't see why I um When asked if he thinks if Russia meddled in the election, he gave a long, borne-out answer that everybody was, both sides were to blame, the probe was to blame, but ultimately Putin gave him an answer, said he didn't interfere with the election, he gave him a strong answer, he has no reason not to believe it, and in his personal opinion, uh, why would Russia interfere in their elections? And I said, and I posted this, I said, you wait. Everybody is going to kick off at this guy, including members of his own party because of how weak he looked and how badly he sold out America in terms of selling out their uh, intelligence service, selling out the people's intelligence, you know, just completely shitting all over the country for the sake of whatever whatever they've got on him. Because at this point, you don't act like this unless somebody's fucking holding something over you. I'm sorry, but call me a fucking conspiracy theorist or whatever, but... I don't think so, man. I think, I think the only way you act like this, especially a guy like him, like Trump, who's a fucking bully to anybody he can be, he's like a little wet puppy dog that's just pissed himself and he's cowering up to somebody. That's how he's acting in this press conference. So it's like, you know, what has he got? He's blaming both sides, refuses to take any uh, responsibility away from Putin. And now his entire party's kicking off at him. So I said, I said, once his party starts kicking off at him, that means that they're either preparing to be shit on by their constituents or already have started uh, to be, in which case they're worried about the midterms. So they start to shit on Trump and put so much pressure on him that he flip-flops on it. And I said, this is what he was gonna do. His party's going to get pissed to a point where he's going to have to flip-flop and find some way to talk himself out of this. His attempt came through yesterday evening when he said, I didn't mean would, I mean wouldn't. I meant wouldn't. As in, he believes the U.S. intelligence service, even contradicting himself, on numerous occasions said he does believe the U.S. intelligence now and that he said why wouldn't Russia have something to do with the instead of why would they like of course they didn't which falls in line with the rest of his statement in that press conference by the way the the part of that statement now that is out of place is the part that he flip-flopped on and said I meant wouldn't instead of would Really important because his staunchest um, supporters, they're gonna use this and say, see, he just, he was on a long trip, tons of meetings, you know, maybe, fuck, give the guy a break. One word, give him a break, right? And they're gonna take that sound bite that Trump has now put out and use that as the gospel. But all you have to do is look at the previous two, three minutes and you'll see that the actual flip-flop, the amend to the statement, is actually now the thing that doesn't fit in that statement. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't flow with everything that he just said for the past few minutes. And everything that he said previous to that, and everything that he said in previous statements on previous days, it doesn't add up. He thinks this. He doesn't trust the US intelligence. He believes, Or has to believe or has to publicly state that he doesn't think Russia had anything to do with it. And it's that plus this flip-flopping that is a real big concern. Because one, his flip-flop doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense with the rest of what he said. He's clearly only done it because of political pressure. So he knows truly, you know, there's a vulnerability here. And I think people are going to see that for what it is. He ended that press conference by calling uh, this thing a witch hunt after ranting on the fact that he beat Hillary Clinton in the election um, and that he you know, he wiped her out and this is all Democrats' fault and, you know, where's her servers and there's an investigation that needs to be done on her and, you know, why is this happening? <clears throat> Completely trying to deflect and then ends the press conference by reaffirming his position on the fact that the Mueller investigation into Russian tampering into a presidential election is a witch hunt. 20 plus indictments is not a witch hunt. Multiple guilty pleas, personal attorneys of his, now turning state's evidence, Michael Cohen, the Christopher Steele investigation dossier Cambridge Analytica shutting down because of the scandal around the Facebook data leak. And then everything that they do is an attempt just to play everything off as nothing more than fake news. You can almost see Putin Saying to himself, wow, this is working. Like, who was it? Maybe it was John Oliver that I watched. And he was like, if he was actually like a spy, like an active spy for Russia, Trump. If he was an active spy for Russia, his controllers would be coming up to him and saying, mate, fucking take it easy. (laughs) Take it easy. Don't give everything away at once. You're giving yourself away. Like, chill the fuck out a little bit. You're making it too obvious You know, he just seems like a completely compromised politician at the moment. A completely, a completely compromised person. And it's going to be really interesting to find out what that is. If we ever do, I hope we do. But, you know, that's not a witch hunt. When people are guilty pleading to get reduced sentences, to snitch on other people when you've got 20 indictments that are detailed indictments with names and addresses and and government affiliations and this is not a witch hunt. This is a real investigation that's turning out real results. And to me, it seems like a couple of things from Trump's perspective. One, he's panicking. This This is a man who feels the noose kind of tightening. It's what it appears to me anyhow. He seems very desperate. seems very fragmented in his thinking. Very abrupt, even more so. Repetitive, even more so. So he seems frantic. He seems worried. Seems pressured. And he seems panicked. And the second thing that I considered when thinking about this was his mental health this would be some of the things that we're seeing from him would be indicative of like uh dementia right someone kind of losing their marbles repeating themselves over and over again feelings of paranoia and things like that you know uh just again the frantic and erratic behavior that kind of comes and goes and you know, again, I'm not a fucking doctor, but you know a mentally ill person when you see one and you know there are varying degrees of that, right? We know that one person in the office that kind of, you know, if working by themselves or whatever, you look over and they're talking to themselves. And there's a talking to yourself, which is kind of like what everybody does and then there's talking to yourself. You know certain patterns of behavior, right? Because then there's the then there's the homeless guy on the street that's got full-blown schizophrenic fucking hallucinations and, you know, screaming at the world and, you know, reciting the Bible and screaming at people and, you know, so on and so forth. There are varying degrees of mental illness. But I would argue that Trump is exhibiting signs of exhaustion and mental illness. This is a 70-year-old man, 70-plus years old, that doesn't take care of himself. He's on cholesterol medication. He's on uh, hair growth medication, Propecia, which has a whole bunch of side effects. And if you want to fucking dig into that, have a look at that, how it alters your mood. You know, but this is a guy that's been not taking care of himself for the better part of 70 years. And being that now he's in the most stressful job in the world, which he didn't expect to win in the first place. And I think, and have said this on previous occasions, I think he thought that he would get caught out in the vetting process. And I don't know who done that, who has done that vetting process, but whoever has done it has not done it very well. Because all you got to do is go to New York read some of the books that have been written about Trump, read some of the accounts about the dealings that he has and the affiliations that he had in New York, they would never have let this fucking guy in. And if they did, shame on them even more. But this doesn't seem to me a gentleman that is aging gracefully. And, and it doesn't seem like a gentleman that is, that is maintaining all of his marbles. So there's either a maniacal psychopathic aspect to this or there's a real medical concern from a dementia or a senility point of view with this. But either way, this man is not fit to be governing. He's not fit to be running any sort of foreign policy negotiations. He's about to bring that country to its fucking knees in a trade war. Again, I've said this, you know, Periodically, over the course of some of these shows, but he is going to ruin America with these trade wars because Americans can't afford shit now. These tax breaks that everybody keeps claiming about—that it—that he's a—he uh, is a—he's a conduit for the success of this economy. He's not. This is an over embellished extension of coming out of a recession. And if you listen to people people like Peter Skiff and other, uh, other economists or people in the financial world, they will tell you that another one is coming. Potentially worse than the one that hit us in 2008. And if this trade war is in place, it is going to have an even more adverse effect on how it affects people's pockets and affects people's bank accounts. This has got real implications for... Uh, American businesses, American homeowners, American industry workers, factory workers. The web of this is very, very widespread. And again, if you listen to economists like, you know, the ones that are, I guess, in agreement with this or that that are stating this, this fact that a recession is coming, they will also say... This trade war has got nothing but negative outcomes. America runs off of debt. Which is the only reason they have continued to be able to do trade with other countries. They have a trade deficit. Right? And they get these other countries to buy back American bonds. But if the American economy is worth nothing, guess what? Those bonds are worth nothing and they're going to collect on their debts. Not to mention that, but the most consumed products in America, for the most part, are made in China. If, China. if China makes those products more expensive to, you know, America has made those products more expensive to bring in, and China makes them more expensive to buy. So it's a double negative. America is not in a position to be doing this kind of uh, trade war because the retaliations are too detrimental to America and they've already started to take effect because if you look at regional newspapers around America which I have a feed of you will see some of the stories that are coming out like it's already affecting job uh, numbers it's already affecting bottom lines returns and giving people pause and consideration to take operations overseas this is not going to work out well and it baffles me that one he's not he's not intelligent enough to see this or to listen to people that are telling him or doesn't give a fuck and is just gonna do it anyways because one of those two things that I just said is happening is probably happening psychopathy or senility right <coughs> but this doesn't work out good for America and as a consequence, doesn't really work out good for anybody. It's a bad idea, full stop. But you can't let a tyrant run ragged and run whatever his whim is of the day. Especially if that person, as he appears to be on a more growing occurrence, mentally unstable and unfit to be leading, you have to put a pin in that. You have to stop that. Spoke in the wheel, man, stop it in his tracks so really really concerning because one he seems more compromised in terms of his affiliation with Russia than ever before he doesn't seem fit mentally physically to do the job and as a consequence of some of those things he's bringing America along with him how long are they going to put up with it how long is it going to be before they say this is irreparable damage? Because I don't think people understand the scope of what can come. And I don't want to be a disaster guy or anything like that because the sun's shining and it's a beautiful fucking day. But let this keep going. Let this keep going and see where we are in six months. And report back. Because I'll be interested to see. But that press conference was p- with Putin was horrendous. It was completely compromised. It was... It was it was disgraceful. I said it before. It's fucking disgraceful. Um, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I just wonder when America is actually going to wake up. <coughs> Because all you have to do is go to your congressmen, go to your senators, go to your elected representatives and say, listen, get this guy gone or you're not getting my vote. I need you to do something about this fucking guy. He's ruining the country. He's ruining everything that we've built. If you don't, I'm not voting for you. Look what happens when they put pressure on him. Look what happens when the public puts pressure on him. He flips immediately because he's a populist. But he's a populist of extreme proportions and therefore he needs everybody along with him. It needs to be overwhelming dissent for him to change his mind. Because he thinks he's right. Because he's a narcissist. But now he's becoming a senile narcissist. Or at least that's what it looks like to me. Or he's so fucking compromised that he can't be trusted and he's fucking treasonous basically so let's see how it unfolds but I called this I knew he would flip flop on this because this is the kind of guy he is he's not a hard negotiator he's not a smart businessman he's not a shrewd operator he's a patsy if he doesn't have complete power and he's for sale to anybody that has more than he does so there you go but it's time, America. It's really time. So that's that, and it kind of brings us up to speed on, I guess, some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about this week. But just to sign off, I posted this on my on my personal uh, Facebook page uh, yesterday, I think it was, um, and it was it was just a it was just a, a little bit of. Um, a little bit of a trip down memory lane because it was five years yesterday when i took a picture that i saw of myself that made me change my life so i was at a three-on-three tournament uh sponsored by the nba and i volunteered to help out with the organizers and you know direct people around and officiate some of the games etc um and there was a social media contest that was happening as part of the event where you know you take pictures of different slam dunks or things that are happening and hit them with a hashtag and then they'll vote on it. And they were giving away NBA gear like sweatbands and hats and tees and things like that. So I entered it and the picture that I took actually won the competition. So I, even as a volunteer, uh, won the uh, competition and got some of the merchandise. And there was a photo op with one of the NBA stars who was appearing at the tournament from a PR perspective. In this particular tournament, it was Al Horford uh, who plays in the NBA currently. Uh, I believe he's on the Boston Celtics. Uh, but big guy, um, you know, really good athlete. And it was a quick photo op for them. And, uh, and then obviously the person that won the competition, myself in this case, got that photo as well. That's the photo I'm referring to. When I saw the state of my face and my body uh, in that photo, Looking big next to a guy who was six foot ten when I'm five ten, five eleven. Um, it was it was such a shock to see what I'd become over the course of the, of of a few years of just completely abusing myself, and it was that light bulb moment for me where a line was drawn, and I said, "Enough is enough." And I got to also caveat this by saying I hate motivational posts and motivational speeches by people who are just motivational speakers. And who really haven't gone through any real struggle. And I kind of talked about this before. Um, but I hate that Instagram has effectively become that. It's a bunch of, uh, it's a bunch of ass models that you know, want to tell you about the philosophy of life and and the optimization of life when all they've done is basically won a genetic lottery and taken advantage of a platform that is the lowest common denominator in most cases, whereby, you know, when you're talking about what quality content is, it's stick your ass out, take a picture of you with a bikini, you know, wedged up your ass and and tell me how you've made it you know tell tell me how to get there sort of thing um and i hate that stuff um real motivational speakers real inspirational people i love people who live it people who have gone through it people who have experienced real trials and tribulations and traumas and you know people who have gone through a journey those kind of motivational people jocko willink and you know people like this these are i enjoy that because it's real and it's authentic and and it's genuine. There's no commercial interest behind it. It's just, this is how to live the best version of you. So when I saw this photo, it, it prompted me to post it on my Facebook, as I said. And not for any other reason, but to kind of check myself. And and in doing so, I did kind of write a motivational post. But um, it was more just as a reminder to myself that you're on the right track, keep going. It made me feel super positive, even, even though the image that I was looking at was me as the worst case scenario. It was still positive. And it was positive because it showed progress. It showed what sustained energy, effort, and action can do for a person even when they were at the very lowest point that they'd found themselves at in in some time. definitely physically, not mentally. Cause I mean, there was a bit of that obviously because one contributes to the other, but, um, if it wasn't for the very, very close support system that I had, I probably wouldn't have had the ability to be in the position to start making the change because I probably would have been on my own and who knows what would have happened there. So a lot of this goes towards, you know, a very close knit, inner circle that you can count on under any circumstances. It's vital uh, to any process, any journey that, you know, somebody wants to go on. Uh, they need those, those support mechanisms in place. Even if they're just passive support systems, they don't have to be therapy sessions or anything like that. But I looked at this picture of me and I was, I remember I was 98 kilos. Um, so in terms of pounds, that's about 200 and 215 216 pounds and anybody that's that knows me listening out there um, That has met me in person like I'm not a big guy right like I'm like I said I'm about 510 uh, my actual weight should be more In line with what I currently weigh and how I currently look but back then I had zero muscle mass. I had I uh, I had all fat my body fat percentage was uh, well over 30 and I was in bad shape and things were starting to things were starting to happen. Um, so I was about 216 pounds 98 kilos uh, depending on which system you uh, are familiar with. Um, and five years later I currently sit here now at 85 kilos which is about hundred and 87 pounds but the difference in that is not only the weight loss but the body composition change that's been done sustainably over a period of years it's like neil mcculley says in heat i am never going back no matter what i am never going back remember when he says that in heat um it's true like a, like a three-strike criminal that just got a blessing and got paroled, I am never going back because that was a prison. It was a prison for me, uh, mentally. It was a prison for me physically. You know, I remember, like having to try to suck my gut in because I wasn't buying shirts that fit my body because I was under the delusion that I wasn't actually that fat which is really weird, it's a really weird thing because now that I've lost a ton of weight, you know, completely changed my body, completely changed the way I eat, the way I drink, you know, all of these things, it's now that I have the days up where I'm self-conscious about, oh man, you're looking a bit fat, you know, you're looking a bit chunky around the gut, you know, but back then, back then, nah, I'm good, I was good. I'd puff my chest out a little bit, stand up a little bit straighter, suck my gut in a little bit and everything was fine you know, living in the delusion that, you know, this behavior wasn't, wasn't doing anything negative to me when all it was doing was negative things to me, um, you know, and I, I was responsible for this. I'm a grown-ass man, right, and my first port of call when I tried to make a change was to go to the doctor. Can I get some assistance with, you know, potentially uh, cutting down my alcohol consumption, quitting a cold turkey, whatever it may be, because I was just I was drinking excessively. And that's where a lot of this weight gain came from. I was drinking, you know, 10 plus beers a day, um, graduated to drinking whiskey um, and then assumed the diet that goes along with that, which then you know assumes a cert- certain um pattern of sleep and the way you feel the next day and so on and so forth right um so i went to the i went to the uh to the doctor and they're like yeah you can go and go and chat with somebody and and talk to them about you know potential options what could be done was there some sort of a medicine that i could take you know what whatever they had to offer basically um they turned around and told me Based on how I articulated myself and based on you know the fact that I had a decent job and you know was looking to buy a house and so on and so forth, that they really didn't think any of the solutions that they had for me were, were helpful. So I effectively got turned away. And that was when another light bulb moment happened, and that was the fact that even though I had a very close support system around me, namely my wife who you know, was great, uh, but had never dealt with something like this before. Um, It made me realize that this was something that I was going to have to do. There was no reaching out, in my opinion. There was no reaching out for a savior. There was no reaching out for a magic magic spell or a magic pill or a magic wand. It was just going to be, listen, if you're really fucking sick and tired of this, If you're really sick and tired of feeling the way that you feel, of acting the way you act, of thinking how you think, this is on you. So what are we going to do about it? And that was it. So first things first, cut out the cancer. So I switched from drinking regular beer and alcohol to drinking non-alcoholic. Maintain the habit, but remove the consequence, right? Then I cut that out completely and switched to healthier options of things to drink. Fruit juice, water, you know, water was huge. Having water on me all the time was huge. Um, And then it was diet, looked at, you know, how I could potentially clean up my diet, eat more healthy, flush my body out, go through a detox, that sort of thing. Then I started going down to the gym. And what, I, what I've known about myself for ever is that I can have quite an addictive personality. And if I like something or if I'm into something, I am all into it. If I don't like something, I don't want to spend one second of my time doing it. That's, that's the, I guess, the spectrum of how I, of how I do things most often. But when I found exercise and physical activity again, it ignited something in me that I used to have a long, long time ago. When I played basketball, you know, when I was super active as a youngster in high school and, you know, slightly thereafter before it all, you know, into college and, uh, you know, until it all kind of, for a number of reasons, which is a whole fucking different show, um, brought a lot of that stuff down and and stopped a lot of that from being a priority or a focus in my life. It reignited something. And I went and made that what I was I chose that as my habit rather than drinking and eating like shit every day. And I replaced the two. And I just made a very, very simple commitment to myself that says this is the worst you'll ever be that was it every day from here on out will be an improvement of some magnitude doesn't matter how big or how small you'll just do something better with yourself and to those around you than you would have done yesterday or the day before so on and so on and so on right and I knew that if I stuck to that, no matter what, if there were hiccups and bumps in the road, that eventually we would get to a place where I could look in the mirror and be somewhat satisfied, at least satisfied with the change that, and the progress that had been occurring to that point. And if I felt better and I was sleeping better and I was being a better person, then you know all that stuff was, was, was fantastic. And, that, and that, was, that was the aim of this thing. So, when this photo popped up on my timeline and I saw the state of myself, you know a few years back, I was just finishing up a session at the gym uh, to which I do at, uh, you know my, so my schedule is basically a 445 wake up at the gym uh, by five. Um, ready to go and at the bar, uh, at the squat rack, or wherever I'm, whatever I'm doing that day by uh, ten past five, right? And moving at ten past five at the latest. So then I usually do an hour and change, hour and a half, depending on what day it is and if I have to be in the city for work or if I'm working from home that day. So I saw this a couple of days ago come up on my Facebook timeline and. I was standing in front of the mirror in the gym changing room and I held up the picture and I held up next to myself and, and just did like a side by side real life comparison and it just sent a, a bit of a wave of satisfaction across me because I, in that moment I was so exhausted from, from the exercise I'd done and I've been feeling a little bit sore and a little bit more exhausted lately because I've changed my workouts and the intensity's going up and so on and so I won't bore you with the details of that. But it was at that moment that I was just like, fuck man, this is why you do it. This is why you feel like this right now because when you recover from how you're feeling right now, you've had a long, you know, you go in, you have a nice long hot shower, you know, put some, Uh, eucalyptus or what is it? Echinacea uh, drips in the shower that I've got, Um, you know, and you just sit there and you kind of just soak up the water and just, you know, kind of relax and breathe and get the steam in you. And, and I was standing there and I was thinking, this is why you do it. This is the whole entire point. It's not because other people might think something of you, oh, you know, the compliments that I've had um, on this journey. Yeah, those are all fantastic and I appreciate them and I love them, but it's not why I'm doing it. This is a purely selfish motivation and I think it's the greatest form of, of selfishness that you can display because you're looking after yourself and you're doing so in a way that only has positive benefits, both internally and externally you're doing better for you but in as a consequence of that you're doing better for everybody else because you're you're better to interact with you're better to talk to and 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 converse with you're better to deal with overall your mood will be more stable so you're less likely to freak out and in a city like london where everybody's revved up and always on a stress meter of you know 7 or 8 i'm running at an energy level of 8 or 9 at all times but my mood is calm internally. Outwardly, I might project, you know, excitement and, and, and assertiveness and things like that. You know, people are always kind of taken aback when they talk to me for the first time. Um, but I'm in myself, within myself, I'm very, very calm. And that helps, that helps deal with the external pressures that the world puts on you right you combat stress better you you just you're you're just a better friend and, and and as i said it's just a better person to interact with altogether so it brought a wave of of kind of calm but also of of kind of excitement when i saw this and i was like fuck man like look how far you've come Look how far you've come. When I started this thing, I I heard from certain people, nah, it won't last. You drinking these kale smoothies and, you know, doing all that shit and and, and going to the gym five days a week, it won't last. It won't last. You'll be drinking again in no time. People fucking said this to me. (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. And I'm not a monk, right? I haven't turned myself into a fucking monk. I do go out for beers with clients and with friends and things like that. Like, you know, there are times when I pass out on the sofa and wake up the next morning. Like, that shit happens too because I'm a fucking human being. And this is not about being militant. It's about being disciplined. And they're two completely different things. I hate people who tell you everything about their exercise and diet routine, right? Like, it's the fucking gospel and that it's the best... Version of everything for everybody. Oh my god. You got to do CrossFit. Oh my god. You got to eat keto Oh my god. You've got to become vegan. Oh my god. You've got to do this Just do you Just do you The only person that you compete with in this world Really and truly is the person you look at in the mirror. Is that cliche? Is that too cliche to say that? I don't care. It's fucking true. The only person that you're competing with is yourself. And that's why I said when I started on this that I post that stuff not for anybody else, although this particular instance turned into a bit of a motivational post uh, when I threw that up on Facebook. That's not what I'm about. Of course I want to inspire people. Of course I want to affect people. Of course I want people to do better if they are interacting with the content that I put out. Most definitely. But I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. If you ask me what's worked for me, I'll tell you. If you ask me what I'm doing, I'll let you know. But I'm not going to come forth and proselytize anything because I don't know your situation and I don't know your individual goals and challenges and you know all of that stuff, the nuance of who you are. I can't claim that what works for me is going to work for you because I don't know it will. I know there's a template and what you put into that template is completely up to you. And if it works for you and is sustainable for you and enjoyable for you, you'll keep doing it. And therefore, that template will then develop and turn into an equation that is your metric and your uh, journey to success. But your template and my template are going to look completely different. So it turned into a bit of a motivational post when I threw it up there because I wrote about how you know it's it's about sustainability and it's about you know not expecting shortcuts and handouts and and, and things like that. But I don't mean it for I don't post for that reason. My Instagram, yes, it goes towards some of the personal training that I do and and everything uh, with my fitness business, but. I don't even post my clients on there because I'm actually really not. People will find me if they want to, they'll find me. And I know that's a bit naive and I do some promotion around that side of the business. But for the most part, I use that as the main platform of distributing content for fitness. And all of my posts are of me working out. They're not of the clients that I train. And that, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, that's counterintuitive and not very smart marketing." I get that. I get that. But that's not what I. That's not what I'm doing this for. My Instagram account started as a way for me to keep me in check. It's a public account that I've got followers on, obviously. Um, and I didn't want to be inconsistent. And I didn't want to be called a fraud. I didn't want to be called a quitter by my own self-conscience. That was the thing that I started this for. It It was to say, you will look back on this account in however many months or however many years, and if you don't keep this up, you'll look back on yourself and you'll say, ah, you fucked up. You had a chance to do something good and you fucking blew it. Another De Niro quote. I gave you a chance to be a real cop and you blew it, right? I gave you a chance to turn your life around and you blew it. That's what my conscience would be saying to me. That's what that little voice in my head would be saying to me. So Instagram was started for me to keep me in check. And as a consequence, got followers and helped me get some business along the way. Fantastic. Great. And I used to post some group photos that I did of exercise with clients and things like that. But I hate Instagram in terms of its fitness um, narcissism, in, in terms of its narcissism in general. And we spoke about this earlier in the show, but that is a form for me to keep me in check, which is why I adhere to two things. One, I don't care about repeat content because if it's my routine, and it's my program that I'm on, I can see how I'm improving. It's almost a diary for me, right? It's a way for me to keep myself in check. It's a way for me to keep improving and it's a way for me to continue to check in on my progress and hold myself accountable. That's it. That's it. As a consequence, if anything else rolls into that, then fantastic. But that's not the point. The other thing that I absolutely make sure that I do is I never post my first set of anything. Right? So everything that you would see on my Instagram is either my second, third, or deeper in the count sets depending on what exercise I'm doing, how intense it is, etc. I never post the first set when I'm fresh. Never. Never. Because that's not, again, what I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it to show myself as perfect. I don't care because I don't care who's looking at it. What I care about is me being able to go back and say, ah, you got improvement to make there. Your form's out of whack there. So rather than keeping them all on my phone, I put them onto this form that I go and check on it. And then there's some other shit spattered throughout there, you know, stuff with the dogs, stuff with the family, you know, whatever, jokey shit here and there. But, you know, for for the most part, it is a way for me to keep myself in check. So, just going back to it, it, when I saw this photo come up, it really made me happy. Even though I was looking at the worst version of myself, it made me super happy because of where I was when I saw it And it was an affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. And that this journey that I'm on is not a fad diet. It's not a 12 week weight loss program. Shred down and cut to this fucking bullshit. And it's also not anything to do with other people. It was just for me and there's something nice being able to say that I did this for me and I'm doing this because it continues I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this because it has wholly positive consequences and I see the evidence of that standing in front of me now while I'm holding my phone looking at myself In a mirror about to get in the shower just checking my emails then quickly check my Facebook and saw that you just I just done an hour and a half intense work because I do not fuck around when I go to the gym either that's another thing I see people in the gym and they're like I don't understand how you can't be sweating when you go to the gym people posing. I saw a girl on the leg press machine today texting while she was doing her reps. I see guys do one rep, one set on arms, one set on legs, one set on back, I mean, I don't know what the fuck a lot of people are doing to be honest with you, but again, that's their journey. And if they listen to this, they know they could come up and ask for advice or help or anything like that and I would give it to them in a heartbeat. But I'm not going over to them because that's my time. I have carved out some time for myself, five out of seven days a week, where I sacrifice a little bit of sleep, make my days a little bit longer, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Because other than my wife and my dogs and my family, that's the most important thing to me in my life, is the fact that I get to be physically active, I'm healthy, I'm more healthy now. I just went and had a blood test done. And this is the other thing, right? Fucking cut through some of the nonsense, right? We're just talking here. When I went and asked for some help on cutting down my alcohol consumption, I also went to the doctor because I wasn't feeling good. And they told me that I had fat spots on my liver. And the only thing that was going to change them around was a change of fucking lifestyle. You know, and that will do it to some people as well. But like I said, it also took three months after that before I actually did anything about it. I just had blood work done two weeks ago and I'm fucking solid across the board. Solid across the board. So it's on you guys like it was on me. Because if I didn't change, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, might have left me but that would be on me she's not obliged to stay with a fucking loser who acts like that and I would have been on my own my family all resides in Canada what the fuck can they do because I'm a grown ass man that's got to take care of his own fucking problems so that's what I did and it took me years to recognize this because I wasted a good part of my 20s fucking around fucking my body up thinking I was invincible and that there'd be no consequences to this stupid fucking idiot that I was but I made that decision were there factors that led to that decision absolutely if there aren't what are you making the decision for right but in my case there were actual physical and uh emotional requirements that forced me into a change. But that happens innumerable times with cases like this where people just decide, nope, or maybe I'll try it and then I'll say, fuck it. It's not sustainable, right? Somebody quits, you hear about it all the time. Somebody quits smoking for six months and then they're like, ah, I fucking need one. It's like you're already past it. You're letting your mind play tricks on you. You have to stay disciplined. You don't have to be militant. You have to be disciplined and there's a difference. Discipline is just repeating an action that is working time and time again to manifest a result that is good rather than negative. Right? Of course, you can have negative disciplines, but they usually kill you. Um, But... I made that change. The way I used to look was on me. The way I used to think and feel was on me. The way I look now, the way I think now, the way I feel now, that is also on me. I take all the blame and all the credit for fucking myself up. No matter the external consequences or external factors, that's on me. I made the choice to change, so I could have easily made the choice not to start in the first place. And then I could have also made the choice not to take it as far as I did. But I didn't. I needed my own moment, and everybody needs their own moment. So this is not me saying, get your ass up at 4.30 in the morning and get to the fucking gym. It'd be a good idea for a lot of people, But all I'm saying to people is you have to, what's the quote? The moment of a lifetime is only relevant in the lifetime of that moment. If you don't recognize that light bulb moment, it might be a silent moment when you're staring out the window of a bus. It might be on the commercial break Uh, you know, during a, a marathon of the Sopranos. It might be sitting on the toilet, might be having a shower, might be eating lunch, whatever. But when the moment happens, if you don't take advantage of it, at least to plant a seed of change in your own mind, you might not get another one. And that's why action and discipline are so important. I might have missed it when it happened to me, but I didn't. Not only did I not miss it, I didn't fucking let go of it. I grabbed onto that like the back fin of a dolphin and I was off. I was off and I'm not looking back because like I said to you before, I am never going back. So, you know, people will joke, oh, what are you eating today? You know, you got your food measured out or, you know, go to the gym again today. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's funny, right? It's funny that I'm healthy. It's funny that I feel great. It's funny that I've got a ton of energy. It's funny that I'm thinking clearly. I'm more focused. I'm more aligned with what I'm doing. I've got multiple projects, one of which I'm engaged with you right now on. So yeah, jokes, it's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious, fucking hilarious. But I like that. I like that. Because if I'm a fucking train chugging down the tracks, all that stuff is coal, right? That's all stuff I'm gonna scoop up, shovel up, and throw in the fucking fire and keep this bitch moving. Because this is not a diet. This is not a fad. This is not a cut or a shred or a bulk, whatever. This is a fucking lifestyle. This is how I choose to live my life now. I've talked about it before, but I live pretty strict within sort of an 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the stuff I do is bang on brief. Stay healthy, stay positive, stay focused, stay nutritious, stay active, all that stuff, right? All the positive stuff, all the fucking, you know, discipline type of stuff. But you gotta play the 80-20 rule because if you don't play the 80-20 rule, it becomes militancy. And that's not good for anybody because it turns people off. 80-20 rule is the sweet spot, at least for me. And I'm not preaching, I'm just saying, that works for me. So Friday I don't go to the gym. And Sunday I don't go to the gym. And on occasion, I don't even fucking go on Saturday. But most of the time, I do. I don't set my alarm. Only one day of the week, and that's Sunday. But other than that, 4.45 a.m., I am up. And I'm ready to go. Now, on the days where I'm not at the gym, that's my 20%. So if I want to go to the market, eat some street food, or Friday, go out and have some beers, or whatever then that's what I want to do and that's what I'm going to do. And there's nothing wrong with that because what I've done is I've removed all the guilt around giving myself an alleviation of this discipline. And what happens when you're so disciplined all the time is one of two things actually. I should caveat this, one of two things. One, you either go fucking mental or two, you learn how to keep that 20% of uh, letting the, you know, letting the leash off a little bit, you still keep it under control, which I would say within that 20%, I probably play another kind of 50-50 game with that. So 50% of the time I go buck nutty, right? Half the time when I get my 20%, I'll go fucking ape shit maybe it's not 50-50 maybe it's like 70-30 or 30% of the time I'll go fucking nuts like on a Friday night I'll get shit face come home eat some fucking five guys and then pass out on the sofa right so what so what but most of the time it's maybe a beer or two here and then it's home and that's it meet up with the lads for a couple hours get a little tipsy come home that's it So even that, or if I'm eating out, I'll eat a healthy type of street food if that exists, you know? But something like that. I maintain some discipline even when I'm playing in my 20%. It's Oscar Wilde's quote. Everything in moderation, including moderation, right? You gotta let loose sometimes. And I noticed this when I was at my wedding, um in Portugal 2 years ago because on the lead up to that I was doing this thing all wrong right on the lead up to my wedding I was like I got to cut I got to I got to lose weight I got to look as good as I can in my suit right fucking stupid because by starving yourself you hold on to fat you don't lose fat because your body goes into starvation mode it doesn't know when it's going to get its next meal and therefore it holds on to the fat so while you're trying to starve yourself and lose fat you might lose like fluid from your body and things like that but ultimately you're going to have a skinny fat appearance so I was doing it all wrong but what I did notice was I, I took my weight before I left to go and then I took it when I came back and the whole time I was out there I had made a promise to myself that I would worked so hard leading up to this that I was going to give myself the two weeks um, kind of uh, sabbatical Where I was going to eat what I wanted, bread, meats, you know, all the beautiful food that that Portugal has to offer. I was going to not hold back at the wedding. I was going to eat what I wanted, drink what I wanted, you know, have a good time that week. I came back and I didn't gain any weight because I wasn't stressed. And that's another thing that is super important about the journey. Starting it and maintaining it. And that's why it's got to be your template, not mine and not anybody else's. It's got to fit into your routine. Because if it's outside of your routine and it's nothing but a ball ache and a struggle and a hassle to do something, you're not gonna maintain it. It's as simple as that. And if you don't give yourself a little leeway, and I'm not talking about you know going out on a Friday and a Saturday night after your first week of exercise when you've been brutalizing yourself for 10 years. I'm not talking about that. Do some fucking work and earn it. It's a merit system. It's a merit system but the only one holding you accountable to the merit of your argument or your actions or your excuses is you. So, can you hack it? I didn't know when I started five years ago whether or not I could hack it. You know, I I can easily get distracted, I can easily find excuses or procrastinate. For sure, I know my deficiencies, which is why I work on them every day. Understand this, if you start on the journey of improving yourself mentally and physically, the line between start and finish will absolutely not be linear. You will not be on a slow increase, uninterrupted towards your goal and land there unimpeded. It won't happen. You're going to lose weight. You're going to gain weight. You're going to feel great. You're going to get injured. You're going to have to recover. You're going to slip off your diet. You're going to feel depressed when you do. You're going to have to rebound. The adversity doesn't stop just because you said, I want to make a change for the better in my life. and I'm going to go down to the gym. That's not what happens. What happens is you become more equipped and develop the correct tools to be able to Respond to those problems, those hardships, those hurdles in a more positive and effective way. You don't let them beat you, you don't let them get you down. You recognize them, assess them, compute them, chunk the information that's necessary and discard them for what they are, which is a hiccup and a mistake or a slip and a fall. But this journey's not linear. You can't look to anybody else for accountability. And beware of false profits and false advisory commissions and personalities and all this shit that you might see on social media because they're not in it for you. They're in it for them, whether that be money or fame or both. They don't care about you. I have been in the fitness industry for a few years and that's all it took for me to be absolutely disgusted by it because it's full of charlatans, it's full of people who claim to have the magic potion, the recipe for success, gonna get you there. They're doing it to increase their own profile because what I've learned is the people in the fitness industry are some of the most narcissistic people you'll ever meet. They come across as you know, not only are they narcissistic, they're fucking two-faced because they'll say they want all your success. That's their number one priority until they find a client that's going to pay them more than you pay them or that can build their profile better than, it can, than, than you can build their profile and then you play second fiddle. Then you get put on the back burner which is why I said to myself at the very beginning of this whole thing, I'm going to do this This is on me. I got myself into this mess and I'm going to get myself out of it. And I'm not saying don't look for advice if you want advice or you think you need advice. I'm just saying beware of the garbage that's out there because there's a ton of it. More so than there isn't in the fitness industry, I hate to say. But if you stick to a plan and a template that you can insert your plan into that you can stick to that gels with your life, It will create consistency, and consistency ultimately will create the best kind of results, and then you're sure to succeed. So that's it, can you hack that? Can you hack taking action? And once you've hacked taking action, can you hack keeping it up? Because if you can, the result of what you're trying to achieve, physically, mentally, in business, anything else, if you can hack those two things and get them done, you'll find success. So that's it. From a picture of me, at my fattest, at my worst, at my most unhealthy, coming up in my timeline to, to what was it, four years, five years, something like that. It doesn't matter now because it's just a lifestyle, but it's been a few years. And I'm nowhere near where I wanna be because again, this thing isn't linear, and I've had my own setbacks and my own adversities and my own injuries and things like that, but I persist. And I know that that will get me, it will get me to a, to a place of satisfaction and a place where I can maintain that satisfaction. I'm not there yet, but I'm enjoying the process and I'm never stopping. And I'll say it again, because I'm never going back. And if you have that level of focus and can apply the discipline to maintain it, you'll win. You'll win. So, we've done two hours two hours it's a good effort I think I think it's a really good effort and I think we are closing out what did I say at the beginning 45 I think it is yeah I think 45 so um, that's a wrap guys thanks for listening I mean fuck we hit it all right we hit social we hit political we hit personal what else do you want we're just sitting here talking we're just friends so thank you for listening guys Um, I think that's probably the only show we're going to do for this week unless I get a bit of time uh, on Thursday, but it's unlikely because things are extremely busy at work and I need to give that my full attention. So uh, I'll see you when I see you, most likely next week, uh, and we'll take it from there. But in the meantime, you can get this. Like we started uh, the show out saying, you can get us on SoundCloud, you can get us on iTunes, you can get us on TuneIn, and we'll update you on the other distribution points that we decide to keep uh, focused on and keep exploring uh, as they become relevant. But we're going to become, I made a decision that we're going to become way more active on our social media pages, Twitter and Facebook, going to give you more of an insight into the personality of who we are and, and, and what we're thinking. And and maybe some of the subject matter that we're going to be talking about in upcoming episodes. And maybe that will uh, lead to some more engagement from you guys that are supporting those pages because we want to hear from you more than we are now. Uh, We want to get, you know, your thoughts on the show. We want to get, you know, what are you guys interested in hearing about? You know, we're not limited to just you know my chain of thought. If I don't want to talk about something, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, and if I do want to talk about something, I don't care if you guys want to listen to it or not. I'm going to talk about it. Um, but that said, your feedback is still critical, and doing that across all those platforms that I just mentioned is always uh, a great support mechanism for us. It helps people find us, and it gives the show uh, some some recognition, and th- and that's always appreciated. But We're just happy that you're listening. Uh, We love you for it. And we'll be back most likely next week to to hit you up with episode 46. But for now, this is episode 45. My name's Daryl, and I'm your host as always. Thanks for listening. This is The Quiet Part Loud podcast. And until next time, guys, all the best.